Hello and welcome to Club War. It's season two, episode one, no less. Almost a year after our last episode, and it's the, what the twenty third of December, twenty nineteen. And I'm Christy, and I'm Dan. Yay! <laughs> and we're here. It's been a been a long break, but a necessary one. Um, and we've got an awful lot, a huge amount to catch up on. So. And we're still going to try and keep it down to our hour, but I'm not sure if we're going to manage uh, for this particular episode. We'll see how we go. Yeah. So uh, let's get stuck right in, I guess. Where are we starting, Dan? Review of the year. Um, oh, holy shit. Yes. Okay. Games and <laughs> happenings. <laughs> stuff that happened. Yeah, and there was a lot of stuff that happened as well. You start us off. It's actually games-wise, the bigger releases this year I haven't played much of. I've done more niche, smaller games. Um, I'm hoping to catch up on some of the big games over Christmas. Um, some of the break, use some of the time. But actually, yeah. Um, so I've I've had lots of smaller things. I've also re-entered the world of Xbox after taking a small break. And I think it, it was more the whole Game Pass thing probably um, won me over. So. Yeah, that, I mean, Game Pass is ridiculous value. I still have the same problem I had a year ago with it in that it is still my gaming electric monk. It's still the thing that I, basically I know it's on Game Pass, so I go and play something else. <laughs> and <laughs> And and it's just been really counterintuitive because my brain is weird. You do get little um, reminders every now and then that things are disappearing. So things disappear. Yeah. It kind of makes me try them out or um, give the, give things a little bit of a go. See whether it's worth me either trying to power through it or uh, picking up. Yeah, it's it's really really good for. It kind of just encouraging you to try something you might not otherwise try or something that's like, I don't know if, if there's, if you've got two games and there's one that you definitely want and there's one that you, you think, nah, I'll just leave it for now. You're more likely to try the, nah, I'll just leave it for now one with Game Pass yeah. because it's not really costing you anything extra. And it's, I, I think it's to be lauded for the effect it's had on developers. That's certainly the developers that, that managed to get in there. I think they're getting much more noticed as a result of that service. Yeah, and it seems to be, I was always a little bit hesitant at the service, partly because I wasn't sure it was a great deal for developers. And also I thought mm. it would affect how Microsoft developed and designed their games. And that was that was my chief concern, really, because they were saying, okay, everything we publish or everything that's all our first-party stuff, this is going to go on Game Pass day one. Yeah, Lots of people are like, yay! And I was like, hmm, how's that? <laughs> if they're not making so much money off the basic sale, I thought that they were just going to be sort of microtransactioned and DLC'd up to however much they could chewhorn in. But um, I was wrong, I think the sort of releases that have come out since Game Pass has been in place, and also in particular the acquisitions in terms of developers that Microsoft have made, um, all point to it being just 
great value. Yeah. And feedback from a lot of developers is that, yeah, this has been good for us. We're getting sales, we're getting money, um, we're able to develop more stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's generating word of mouth from people who aren't on the platform. Yeah. You know, and, and that's like, that, that's really interesting. It's a really interesting side effect that wasn't necessarily at the front of anyone's mind when it launched, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it's good to, it's good to see think games like the outer, outer wilds. Uh, uh, is it the other? There's two. There is the outer wilds, but there's also the outer worlds. Yeah. Both of which were on Game Pass. Yes. So it's confusing. I'm talking about the real, the, the, the little indie kind of weird time looping. That's the outer one. wilds. That's, yes. That's on my pile of shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that's generated, I mean, it's generated sales for them outside of the Xbox ecosystem as well. It being on Game Pass, yeah. it's, it's created a huge amount of word of mouth. And it, the thing is, you know, that it enables, you know, smaller YouTubers say it, who haven't necessarily been given a code and don't have the audience to justify that. They also have the ability to just go into Game Pass, download it, start streaming it. Yeah. And so th- there's all sorts of ways that it's, it's benefiting them from a marketing point of view. It's, it's really interesting to see. And it's also had a bit of an impact on Sony as well. Beneficial one in that they're changing how PS now works, which is kind of their closest um service to yeah. game pass even though it's kind of it's started off as cloud and has shifted towards download as well um mm-hmm. game pass is download and you can see it shifting towards cloud in the coming years as well so um they're gonna converge a little bit yeah i mean that that's definitely something to touch on actually is this is the year where cloud gaming has I mean, it's been around for a while, but I think we can, you know, effectively say this is where it really begins. I wouldn't say it's brilliant yet, particularly Google Stadia. But I mean, I've tried. I'm on the Xbox Cloud Beta. Yeah. And and actually, that's that's really impressive. It, you know, depending on your connection, as always. Yeah. I've had some iffy uh, connections, but it's. I was playing now. What was I was playing Ace Combat Seven, yeah. Which is, you know, you wouldn't think would be ideal for you know streaming. It's you know that this that's a Twitch game, and I, I played it at the beginning of this year on the PS4, and I played it on my phone with a doodad that attached to the uh, to a controller to the Xbox controller, so the you know it clipped onto the controller. Yeah. Not wired like the Stadia controller has to be at the moment. To, to a phone, but just through xCloud, it was really quite impressive. The The only problem, and this seems to be a problem with any handheld game at the moment, is the size of the text. It was pretty much unreadable because it's still HD. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I, I think that's starting to I, I show us where the, the future lies. Uh, it's not necessarily a feature that I'm heavily into, but it's impressive nonetheless. Yeah, there's some interesting sort of ways that things can be integrated as well. Um, mm-hmm. So rather than you buy a game, rather than having to wait until you finish downloading it or installing it, there's the potential for it to kick off on the cloud. That, yeah, that's an interesting thing. That's That was something that was touched upon 
with the announcement of the new Xbox, wasn't it? I think so, yes. And um, the the ideas there of sort of things being joined up seamlessly and syncing across, that's really quite interesting. Yeah. And the, the other thing I was going to mention was that PS Now has kind of switched slightly in that there's a bit more focus on the bigger games, whereas previously it was smaller and a lot of older games. They've started adding some big games in that just stick around for about three months. Yes, so you, but not from launch. No, not quite launch yet, and they are temporary, which to an extent you you kind of, okay, it's there, you know you've got a time limit, and that kind of helps a little bit, a bit like the this is leaving soon stuff can focus you. It wasn't quite what I was looking for from, from PS Now. Um, I kind of enjoyed a lot more of the smaller titles and the oddities, and that's kind of diminished a bit in that each month now there's only one or two permanent additions. Oh, really? Along with sort of three big titles. Yeah. Um, so actually my PS Now subscription has subsided, and I've got plenty to be going on with Backlog and uh, Xbox Game Pass. I mean, that is one thing that Game Pass seems to be championing a lot is the, the small indie games. I do, th- I do think PS Now still has quite a lot to do to catch up. Its offering seems to be a little bit more stingy in comparison to to Game Pass. And I, I think they need to get over that hurdle. They've got breadth. They haven't got the quality. Um, and mm-hmm. they also don't have enough. Well, there, there's loads of stuff that launches on Game Pass. Um, and that's quite yeah. impressive. Um, and well, more, it, almost as important, it it builds, again, word of mouth, it builds that hype yeah. for the service. Yeah. Every single time that they have a, you know, and it's never just one game that launches on Game Pass. No. It's, you know, it's two or three, it's a handful. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, it's quite an impressive handful. It's it's a load of games that you want to play. And that's not happening with PS Now. And given that PS Now has been going for so much longer now, yep. it's still a little bit baffling as to why they're struggling with this idea. I don't think they've quite worked out what they want to do with it. Because mm. initially it was a streaming service we bought. Um, was it Gai- Gai- Gaikai? Gaikai, it? yeah. The, so they had the technology and they started the streaming service. And then it was kind of a um, a way of getting... PS3 backward compatibility into a PS4, and now it's okay. We're trying to do a slightly different service. We've added PS4 downloads, and now we're adding temporary games that sit there for a little bit. I know it's certainly in Sony's plans, but I still don't think they've quite found the right formula for it. Whereas yeah. Game Pass seems to have really hit a big, a good stride, and it's only it's come from strength to strength, really. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Which kind of leads us to the like, the ridiculous number of developers that have been bought up. I, I'm struggling to remember all of them. I mean, was Obsidian was pre-our last episode, wasn't it? I think so. Obsidian yeah. and In Exile were... Yeah, around about the same time. But the, there seems to be, and it's not just you know the platform holders that are buying them up. Although I did see Google buy up uh, um, the company that's just about to launch Journey to a Savage Planet. Yes, 
Um, they just bought them up. And that's their first game, and it's not launched yet. And Google have just bought them up. So that's a quite a weird one. I'm not sure where that comes from. I'm I'm very interested in that game. That but that I mean that could come later on. But it just seems very strange that that's the dev team that they buy up right now. Wonder with Google whether it was the sort of lukewarm reception to the game library that they've started with with Stadia. I think that yeah. the sort of reviews of Stadia have been actually this is quite good tech, but the game library, this is all stuff we've already played already, or it's we've got better versions elsewhere. Um and they're still expecting you to pay sixty quid yes. to play the game on top of the sub right now. Yep. Uh, it's just it seems really insane to me that that just seems mad. I was I was all for it. I was quite happy. I was quite happily going to pre-order and and jump in, but once the details started to become quite apparent, I was unsold very very quickly. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's another one I don't really understand. I don't think Google know what they've got or what they want to do with that. No, at the moment, and. Um, there is this element of them trying to beat other companies to the punch as well, because there's, there's there's rumblings at the moment that Amazon are set to launch something quite big in the streaming gaming kind of market in 2020 as well. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty big year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's going to be huge. They've got that, but you've also got THQ Nordic just bought Tarsier. They've been buying companies up left, right and centre this year. Yeah. They're really, really uh, preparing themselves quite well for the launch of the new consoles, I think, the next generation. Yeah. It's, it's been insane. But yeah, so that's the de- developer of Little Nightmares, if uh, people aren't, aren't aware. But the, the THU just bought them up wholesale. Uh, I'm just trying to think who else has been bought. Has, has Sony bought anyone? Has- yes. They, didn't they get Insomniac recently? I th- yeah, that's a weird one because I've always thought of them as a Sony studio. Yes. So it was a bit of a surprise to me that they weren't already owned by them. And then if they weren't, then it was for a decent reason or they wanted to stay independent and now they're not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a they did um Sunset Overdrive for the Xbox. Um which is a wonderful game that everyone should play. Yes. And nobody does. There is actually the possibility that Sunset Overdrive 2 could end up on PlayStation now, isn't there? Yeah, because they own the IP. Yes, that was one of the reasons that it didn't end up on PlayStation in the first place. Yeah. Um, because Sony wanted to own the IP if they made it for them. Yeah, that's right. So they went to Xbox instead. Interesting. And Microsoft just did not know what to do with it. It was That's the it, the most criminal piece of marketing I've seen for any game that Microsoft have have released on this generation of consoles. It's just it's such a good game and they just had no clue where to place it in the market. It was just horrendous. I love that game. Mm. I'm still bitter. <laughs> yeah, so there's been lots and lots of devs being bought up and it, new tech being launched and all sorts of weird things going it's on. Jostling for position. Yes. Yeah, that's precisely what it is. <laughs> Moving on from that, we have on our list, this is for yours, Dan, isn't it? Adventures yeah. in Game Pass. So previously I've done Adventures in PS Now, 
Um, but this is more about the smaller titles. And I said before that I've not really played a lot of the big titles from this year. But what I have had is a lot of fun on Game Pass, picking up some of the smaller titles from last year also, as in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And things like um, Yoku's Island Express, which I'd kind of seen bits of, but never really picked up on. And essentially it's a... Um, combination of a platformer and a pinball game where you play a dung beetle who pushes around a ball of dung um, and becomes a postman <laughs> and it's, it's a bizarre idea um, and it's kind of slightly genius as well in terms of oh, pinball and platformer it would be great if you could combine that and they pull it off really well and it's not just that they pull it off really well but the whole package, they haven't just executed the concept well. They've designed a great game around it as well. Um, and that's in terms of how things develop and how they keep things fresh, um, but also how all the little bits work together and, and just actually playing it through. So many times I had a big smile on my face as things went around. It's got one of the best fast travel systems in a game ever with some funky, oh, nice. funky music that plays as you do it. Um, <laughs> it's just lovely. And it's, it's down as one of my favourite games of, that I've played this year. Oh, nice. And I really just wouldn't have tried it at all if it wasn't for Game Pass. Um, other things I've caught up on on Game Pass, Dead Cells. Um, you've previously done a fair bit um, on the Clodder War podcasts and done... Um, let's play type thing on Dead Cells. Yeah, I did. I loved that game. Absolutely love it. It's fabulous. It trod a very fine line between frustrating and brilliant with me. Yeah. In terms of if I died, I was always annoyed that effectively a lot of what I'd done was wiped out. But every single time I died, I immediately started another run through, got to a certain and th- point, and it. then quit out for a bit. But it's like, sign of a great game that they they found that right perfect point between annoying you and making you want to play again (laughs) yeah but it's that's the killer with a with a lot of this this type of game and it's not necessarily when i say this type of game i don't necessarily mean that genre but i'm thinking specifically of the likes of trials as well yeah it's that when you you fail, press circle, and you're instantly back. And it's that being instantly back at the start, no loading screens of to, to speak of really, and you're you're straight back into it. That really makes that kind of game. Yeah. And it's there's no friction involved in you going in again. Yeah. And it's and also it's just a pleasure. You know that there's there's lot you get all these little endorphin hits from, you know that. The way it's animated, the the combat, the the platforming—it's every element of it is so satisfying. Yeah, that was it. The sort of, uh, the core gameplay was just really good to, to yeah. zip through, and the responsiveness and how you could approach different battles, sort of mini um, tactical ideas of how you approach certain areas. It was just lovely to play. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on. Dead Cells, it's an absolutely fabulous game. I think everybody should give it a try. It's just insane. It's really good on Switch as well. Uh-huh. They did a really good job with the Switch version. 
Um, and the final one on my little list here is SteamWorld Dig 2, which I finished just a couple of days ago. Oh. Um, SteamWorld Dig was one of the earliest titles, small titles I picked up on PS4. And it's kind of a platformery, uh, platformer meets sort of Dig Dug, Repton type thing, if you mm-hmm. remember those old ones. Um, and it's got a really nice sort of gameplay loop of going exploring, finding um, building up some cash, upgrading, while still keeping a story ticking along um, and gain, gaining new abilities as you work your way through as well. And in similar way to Yoku's Island Express, it's just really nicely designed. Um, there's thought gone in throughout the whole game. And a lot of games you get these days, they've got a great idea and it's executed quite well in terms of the core gameplay. And then they layer on top of that um, either some basic progression or auto-generation of stuff that doesn't hit you in the same way as something that's been really well thought out and designed and you feel a lot more involved in the progression and how you work your way through the game. I mean, going back to a, a little bit with Dead Cells, because that is procedurally generated. It is. It's one of the few games that does that where it still feels well crafted yeah yeah i'd agree with that but but yeah you're right with a with a lot of procedurally generated games it just doesn't it doesn't fit the sense of place isn't there i think yeah and it it's a lot of well i've i've got this idea i've got how or big open worlds as well how can you then pad that out to produce a longer game and it's it's trying to automate as much as possible. Whereas there's something to be said for a, a neat, well-crafted game like some of these. Um, I think I had about 15 hours on the clock when I'd completed it, but I tended to explore and, and nearly rinse most of the stuff that was there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite get all the artifacts and things, but I just enjoyed making sure I had because you've got finite resources in terms of things you can mine, because once you mine them and solve them, that's gone. I like right. to find everything and, and buy everything or get as many of the upgrades as possible. But yeah, that was a lovely 15 hours. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one thing I'm going to do a lot more of in 2020. I think I'm going to try and get over my weird psychological issue with playing games on some on a service that I'm paying for. <laughs> I just think it's it's a really strange thing that I've got in my head that is like, oh, it's on Game Pass, I'll get it later. I'll go and buy this thing that's not on it instead. Just an idiot, never mind. So I think leading on from the kind of little gems that were on Game Pass, it's probably worth talk- talking a little bit about the actual major releases that were out this year that we liked as well, because... It's actually been quite a full year, and it's I, I actually to the point where I can't remember everything that I've been into this year. I think for me, I think I've got a handful of games that are stick in my mind, uh, and actually some of them I've been playing almost all year on and off. Um, so I'm thinking in particular about Dauntless, which is free to play kind of monster huntery thing, which. <laughs> 
isn't really going down well with the monster hunter community every time i see every time i see articles about it there's like an army of monster hunter fans on there going that cheap monster hunter clone all this kind of stuff and it's just like and it's you know i love monster hunter i've you know invested hundreds and hundreds of hours in it yeah but this is different this this is like they basically streamlined that the whole thing taken all the obscurity out of it and and giving you the chance to just go out and hunt monsters the whole time it's a bit like if you were playing if there was a version of dark souls where you could just co-op boss fights yeah. all the time that that's what and that that would be ideal for me i love as you know i love all the souls games yeah but if there was a a, a clone which just allowed me to co-op all the boss fights or something like their boss fights and just jolly cooperation the whole time oh my god i'd be in heaven and so dauntless is a bit like that for me it's it's just a nice bubblegum monster fighting game yeah and and when i'm not in the mood when my brain's overloaded with real life stuff it's one of the handy couple of games this year that i've just resorted to yeah where i don't really want to think too hard about anything it's just nice there's a nice community there it's always fun and and i i just kind of love the visuals and and i, I love the combat so I've, I've really enjoyed that it's also one of the best free to pay a uh, free to play uh system free to pay free to play systems that i've come across is really not egregious at all there isn't really any pay to win and it's not in your face. They've started putting these pop-ups when you load in saying, you know, buy this cosmetic pack now, all this kind of stuff. And I was starting to get a little bit cheesed off with that until I discovered that in the interface, in the settings, there's a button you can check to turn that off. <laughs> what free-to-play game have you ever come across which allows you to, to turn off the nags? <laughs> That's astonishing to me. That's mad. How much have you actually spent on it then. well i i have this kind of policy of i won't i'm not one of these people that will i'm not a whale i won't go in and spend hundreds of pounds on something but if somebody's offering a free-to-play game and i'm enjoying it and i've been playing it for like i don't know the last 20 30 hours i think it's pretty much my obligation to send something back their way yeah especially a game like this where it's actually really generous so, so i've spent i've spent about a tenner and um, was that on sort of cosmetics or are there other bits? Yeah. So, so what it's the typical thing of what you do is you buy a, a currency and then you can do what you like with it. Yeah. There isn't really much else that you can do. It's mostly cosmetic packs and dyes. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for wanting a specific color or whatever on my, <laughs> on my gear. You know, I'll, I'll quite happily throw some money their way and, you know, have a purple armor set. Yep in return and I, I i'm quite happy with that it's also on top of that they went in at the beginning of this year and said we want this to be what they called the one dauntless and what they meant by that is that they wanted this to be everybody on every platform can play together so for most of the year it's been ps4 xbox and pc players have all been able to play together yeah um, which was a surprise actually at ps4 because this is pre the big event that we'll talk about in a while but since oh i don't know about two three weeks ago they also added the switch version in 
So I've been alternating between my PS4 and Switch and carrying on, depending on what's handiest. You know, I'll just, you know, if somebody's on the telly, I, I'll just pick up the Switch and play Dauntless. And I've been playing that solid for the last two, three weeks. And it's really great. You can see the platforms that people are playing on and there's no snobbery. People don't quit out because they can see you're on a Switch or anything like yeah. that. It's really nice. How's, how does the comms work then? I think I, I'm a bit of a curmudgeon with that. So I went in and turned, <laughs> turned voice comms off straight away. Okay. Um, but it would work but if you that, weren't a curmudgeon. Yeah. Yeah. It would. <laughs> um, but there's text chat as well. Yeah. And they've now got quick chat system in there as well. And it, you hold down the left trigger and a, a, a chat wheel comes up. Yeah. It could do with a bit of work, and I'd I'd quite like to see a kind of a apex style ping system. Yeah, uh, introduced, and you know I can't imagine that there's many developers at the moment developing games like this that wouldn't eventually want to bring that system in because it's so good. But yeah, Dauntless has been my surprise bubblegum game of the year, and I can't see it falling out of my rotation anytime soon because it's just so nice. Yeah. What else have I been playing? We've been playing Remnant. <laughs> oh God, Remnant! My God, it's just awesome. It's one of the few non-Souls Souls-like. <laughs> you see what I mean? It isn't actually a Souls game that actually gets a lot of what I love about the Souls games—the sort of yeah. mystery and the oddities—and even though it doesn't have some of the other key bits that I've, it's not. Well, it's, it's with guns for a start. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have the finely crafted, handcrafted levels because they're generated. It's got a lot of the feel of a Souls game, which I loved about what it. What I find interesting about it, and I think it, it, what it felt like to me was a little bit like the Chalice Dungeons in Bloodborne. Yeah. And that I was always of the opinion that the Chalice Dungeons were a reaction to the fact that the big websites were coming in on launch day and spoiling the game for everyone by just publishing guides instantly. Yeah. And when you have a system like in Remnant and in the Chalice Dungeons, they can't tell you how to get to whatever object it is you need to get to because it's random. Yep. And I, and I love that. I love the fact that you, you you had to figure out on your on your own, which is what Demon Souls and Dark Souls were like at the very very beginning yeah and gameplay wise it was lovely as well the gunplay was it leaned a little bit on the side of quite helpful aim wise but i think that just kind of suited it and made you feel quite badass it did it really did <laughs> they do chuck a lot at you as well just to balance that mm. out but it just felt great to play because you even if you were a little bit slow in reactions like i am getting in my older ages that, yeah, um, me too. You could still keep popping your way through the enemies and and feel overwhelmed, but not completely outgunned. Um, there was a few peaks and drops in how tough some of the bosses were. Yeah, I I I think I gave up while I was co-oping with you. Yeah, 
and we got to this double butterfly thing, which seemed like it was going to be like the Moonlight Butterfly, which is a piss easy <laughs> boss fight in this. Uh, and it turned out to be just about the hardest thing I'd seen in the game. And it got to a point, and this is kind of related to a game I was actually playing at the same time, and I, I kind of felt like I was sold out, as in soulsed yeah. out. I couldn't play any more Soulsy games. I was playing The Surge 2 at the same time, and I just felt like it felt like self-flagellation. <laughs> a little, there was a, just a point where I just thought I can't do this anymore and I stopped sure. but up to that point it had been uh, for me it was just been one of the best Souls likes I'd ever played I did end up managing to solo that I'm really sorry that's, no that's fine <laughs> that, that was kind of one of my big gaming achievements of the year was managing that's to good. solo those two butterfly <laughs> bastards <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they were so difficult. I don't know what it was about them that I think with a lot of the bosses difficult for us. With a lot of the bosses in Remnant, you needed to find um, a good tactic combination of weapons, armor, and mods for your weapons that, mm. that you could use. Um, and that's kind of different a little bit to the Souls games. In you need to find more of a a tactic that suits your build. Because you can't really change your build so much in a Souls game. Whereas here you could level up lots of weapons. Yeah, that's true. And have a bit more flexibility. And it was finding the right um, right combination that suited the boss battle. Yeah, I agree. I might go back to it and try and finish it because I think it deserves my perseverance. <laughs> the but final battle gets... It's... It's a little bit polarizing in the tactics that you need to use for it as well. Oh, really? I go too much into spoilery territory, but it was it was slightly odd. But it's, again, it's another one that was quite satisfying when once you you trust the tactics and then execute it. But it was tough. Again, <laughs> I was down to my last heart. I'd used my last card oh, and a little bit of health left, and it was a case of if I didn't do it that time, I was likely to throw the controller down in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also worth noting that the developers have supported that game unbelievably well. Yes, over the over the since launch, they just have patched it, they've fixed it, they've added new features, they've added new areas. They've and it's all been. I haven't seen any DLC to pay for no. as of yet. It's just and they they built phenomenal word of mouth and they, and it's you know when you look around YouTube, look at the top games of 2019. It's one of those surprise ones that in that's in a lot of lists at the moment. It's it's well worth having a having a look at. It's a fantastic co-op game. Yes. it's just brilliant. And it has just been added to Game Pass. Has it? Yes. Oh, good for them. Yeah, last month or so. All right. Sweet. Which brings me on to the game that basically finished my Remnant run-through, which was The Surge 2, which is Deck 13's latest attempt at a Souls-like game. It was a complete surprise to me in that Lords of the Fallen, which was their first attempt, left me cold. The surge left me cold as well. I I felt with both games that they were missing the point a bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of developers who try and mimic the Souls games 
they t- I think they go for the wrong thing. They go yeah. for difficulty. They go for the stamina based combat, but they leave out well the lore, but also the the systems that underlie the the weird freaky systems that underlie the Souls games and the connectedness of it all. Yeah, which is it for me is intrinsic to the whole Souls experience. That idea that you discover that you can go a particular direction just because you saw this ghost go that way right in front of you. Or you can see a blood pool in front of you and you know that they died somehow. And all these messages and things like that. Those are the key things that everyone seems to have left out until this year, actually. And The Surge 2 does it really well. They, they have uh, this kind of graffiti system, which is a bit like this kind of su- this sign system in the Souls games. Um, and there are some other neat, neat little kind of connected features that, that you can play with. It's nothing as deep as the Souls games, but they're fun to play with. And it, it makes you feel like you're not alone in a single player game. And that's the key to the Souls games, I think, is that idea that this is hard. These things are scary, but other people are playing at the same time as you and they're, they're dying too, which means that, you know, it's okay that you died. The Souls games are a masterclass in psychology like that. And The Surge 2 starts to play with that quite well. But it's also very much its own game. It's obviously set in the future, um, and you have to use these exoskeletons, which are, I guess, geared towards being class-based, because you've got ones that are geared towards being speedy and other ones which are slow but powerful and uh, enable you to make better use of specific weapons and all this kind of stuff. I, I just found it, I've tried quite a lot of the Souls likes that have been coming out, and that's been the best stab, aside from Remnant, that I've seen from a third, well, I say third party, a non-from yes. software developer. <laughs> uh, and it's well worth trying. I think it's probably, I think it might be in the sales now, um, and it's well worth picking up. It's very, very good indeed. Okay, I shall have to try that next year. <laughs> Another one that's been on my rotation ever since it came out, actually, is WRC8, um, which is, I'm a bit of a rally nut, and I subscribe to their live streaming uh, service called WRC Plus, which is ridiculous. It's like eight quid a month, and you get, I can't remember, it's something between 50 and 100 hours for every rally. Just, you get to see every rally live, streamed from inside each WRC car as they're going through the, the stages. And it's just amazing. Can you, um, you so, can flick about between different cars and things? And No. no. Well, I, you might be able to on the browser. Okay. Uh, I, it's, I, I've been watching on the apps and, yeah. and things like that, but I, you might be able to do that uh, on the, via the browsers. But it's... So I, I played Dirt Rally 2 earlier on this year, and I enjoyed it, but it felt a little bit mealy-mouthed. What happened was that it launched with only five locations yeah. and the locations that were being launched as paid for DLC were the locations that had been in Dirt Rally 1. <laughs> and it just felt a little bit mealy-mouthed. I can understand, you know, they need to make their money back, all this kind of stuff, but it just felt wrong to me. That's and much as I enjoyed it, isn't it. Yeah, that's right. And much as I, I love the games, it, 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 just, it just sat wrong with me. Especially when WRC eight comes out, having so the developer was a developer called Kyloton who t- took over a few years back with WRC five and it was awful. 
And WRC 6 wasn't much better. And then along came WRC 7, and it was a real surprise, and it felt close to a sim. Good enough to be exciting. And then this one comes along, and it's a full sim, and I could not believe what I was playing. It's not the same handling as Dirt Rally, but it's not far off, and it's just as difficult as far as I'm concerned, It, which is kind of negated a little bit by the fact that what you're driving are the new WRC cars, which have ridiculous aerodynamics, which makes it feel a little bit like it's less of a sim to a certain extent. But you know, when you've got real WRC drivers saying it feels like you're playing a PlayStation when they come <laughs> up at the end of a stage, you kind of know what you're getting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What you, you see is this comparison between WRC 8 with all of the locations from the championship compared to Dirt Rally's 5. And there's it, there's no comparison. It's something like 90-something stages, I think, it launched with compared to, I think, probably 20, 25. And loads of different modes, a whole full career mode, which is very similar to Codemaster's own Formula One career mode with where you can put skill points into various areas and develop your car and your team in different ways. And I have, I have been playing that on and off since it came out, so four months now, and it's, it, it's not stopped being in my rotation. And again, I can't see that and it being out of my rotation until WRC9 comes out. So if you're a sim fan, if you're a rally fan, it's worth looking at. It's on sale in the PlayStation sales at the moment as well. One for me, World War Z. Um, Ooh, so, I've been wanting to play this. So this is on Game Pass, strangely enough. Um, and I've been playing through with a couple of friends co-op. Um, and it's it's kind of a left for deady in a number of ways, but with just quite nicely designed levels, nicely designed setup, and quite a nice multi-layered approach to how you can progress underpinning it as well. So each of the levels you kind of start off picking a character as in a sort of more a role rather than an actual person, and then it'll switch depending on which level you're going through. And then as you level that up, then you gain new abilities. Um, you can make the weapons that you pick up better. And so you, you progress that. But that's more in order to make it easier to complete the levels, but then step up to the next level as well. So we've been playing largely on the lowest level, which is, is tough enough on when you start off. But then as you level everything up and expand your options character-wise, then you can start adding to the difficulty of each of the levels. Um, right. And that, that's quite a nice, interesting approach. One of the guys we play with has got very far in terms of he's played it loads. up, Been leveling up most of his characters to maximum levels and got a lot further than us. But I've played through all of these scenarios and it's just been a lot of fun. It's been that's been one of the sleeper hits this year. I think it's. I think it took the developers by surprise as well. Yeah, it it skates. A, it comes quite close to almost a sort of free to play type approach in that there's a lot to, of work you need to do to progress. Uh huh. In certain ways, so completing a level, you get 
a limited amount of cash that you can then spend on new abilities that you can select or upgrades to weapons and that sort of thing. So it, it's quite close to that sort of model, but it's just nicely designed and doesn't feel too free to play. But you feel like you are making progress all the time and you're improving your abilities and improving how you would approach things next time you run through. And the levels are fun enough and well-designed enough to warrant another run through. All right. Okay. Um, because it, it's got kind of, it changes how things will play through on different levels and even on different runs through. It won't be the same. There won't be ammo crates in the same place. Um, there won't be weapons in the same place. It's all slightly randomized um, to give you a different experience each time. And it will also pad out. So it's four characters you have in each one of the things. Um, and it will pad out with bots if you need them. Which has been quite helpful with us because we've got one guy who is normally at the back. <laughs> Um, and the AI will stay with the person who's furthest behind in general. Ah, so right, okay. It, that kind of balances out in that he's still got a bit of protection whilst he's going, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> oh, God. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> it keeps him alive so that when we get to the big set pieces, he's still useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, on, they've just announced just recently on their roadmap that crossplay is coming as well, okay. which is yeah, that's great. Yeah, so 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 that's interesting. For me, uh, and this is a lot of people will roll their eyes because this is actually my game of the year now, and I don't quite know how it's happened, but it's Death Stranding. I actually love the fact that it's done this, but it has really, really polarized opinion. Uh, but I, I absolutely love it. Uh, my wife, when she's when she watches me play it, she says, oh, are you playing Tesco Delivery Man again? <laughs> and, and I'm like, I, I can't really, I don't have a comeback for that, because, yeah, I am. But you're enjoying uh, it. <laughs> I am loving it. Some of it is that it's just like an indefinable thing. I, I, I said on our site, it reminds me, the only other game that I've played that gives you this kind of weird feeling of beyond the end of everything was the Tomorrow Children, which I adored and was devastated when they when they closed it down. Yeah. This gives me the same vibe, and as a result, I, I, I think that's why I like it. I think there's part of me that the idea of beyond the... I think for everyone, actually, lots of gamers, the idea of being in this world which is beyond the end of everything is quite appealing. Do you know what I mean? This yeah. wandering around this hermit-like experience, but you're not totally alone. Is interesting, and it also incorporates incorporates a lot of the things that I love from the Souls games. Obviously, not the combat, but this idea of the online interconnectedness of it, of everything, where you can see the impact of other players playing the same game as you, is really very prevalent, and it's really very well done. And there's, in some ways, I see it as an exercise in elevating lots of gameplay elements from other games that you might recognize. And then he's, Kojima's come in and, and taken that and made it into something quite special. So, for example, I, th I think I said before the idea that one of the, the very basic key elements of gameplay is this idea that you're trying to manage your, your load. You've got this like weight limit that you can carry 
and you become more off balance the heavier closer you get to your limit but also on more uneven ground or slippery ground or as you're trying to in quote in air quotes skyrim it up the side of a mountain (laughs) and it's and it he's obviously taken it because one of the things i used to love about playing skyrim was that trying to get up somewhere that you know take the shortcut up the side of a hill try and hop from bit to bit and see where see how you could get up and it's it's almost as if he's taken that I wouldn't say that's a gameplay element necessarily in Skyrim, but he's taken that into Death Stranding and turned it into one. He's taken very obvious elements of gameplay from Dark Souls, the the signs and the connectedness, and to, and turned that into something quite special as well. There's there's an awful lot of that going on in the game, and if you if you like analyzing gameplay, then this is is this is a little bit of a masterclass. I think I, I really enjoy it. It's one of my I've got, I want to play, I need to find time to play games from this year. Yeah, Um, yeah. But I am looking forward to kicking it off. Um, I feel like I'm going to be consumed by it for a while. It's it's interesting. One of the great things about it is that it became quite apparent. I always talk about online games having a currency, and I don't mean that in terms of money. I just mean it's a current game, and you don't get as much out of it if there's not as many people playing. Yeah. And I was a bit worried that the more... The longer I left playing Death Stranding, the more built up an area would be that I had been, you know, I was playing through. So people would have already built bridges and and the game would become easier for people who came in later. But it doesn't work like that at all. It only moves you forward so that you can see other, say, for example, other bridges that people have built when you unlock the technology yourself. Okay. So... It's it kind of limits your uh, progression to what you already know. Yeah, which I, which I find really interesting. It's it's a great game, and it's got this. The, another thing that it is taken from other games is um, there's that bit in Red Dead Redemption, which is the bit I stopped at actually because it's an open world game. But in Red Dead, there's this bit where you finally get over the across the border to Mexico. Yeah, and a, a beautiful piece of music by Jose Gonzalez. It starts playing, and it's just a wonderful moment. And he seems to use music like that just constantly. You know, you'll be, you know, in the landscape, depending on what you're doing, you'll just get this. He uses a band called Low Roar a lot, and their music's really nice. And it and it just fits perfectly with this idea of this empty landscape, and you're the only person in it. And he's done a really good job with this. And I think for me, the thing that makes it most special is the fact that he. I mean, he's he's already said that he knew that 50% of the people who played it or even saw it were going to hate it. And he went and made it anyway. And I think it's something that wouldn't have happened at Konami. Yeah. I don't particularly... I, I haven't particularly in, uh, admired Kojima over the years because I think he's, you know, an arrogant, egotistical twunt. <laughs> but, but I have really enjoyed this and I have really enjoyed the fact that he's prepared to piss a lot of gamers off. I think that's brilliant. It, I love that games like that do exist and can exist. Um, yeah. There's been periods where everybody's tried to please everybody um, and you can't. And the, the, yeah, exactly. the market is big enough to support games where they'll only appeal to a certain section of it properly. And um, they should make big games just appeal to smaller subsections. Yeah. 
get some of the best games Un- undiluted um, even if I try it and absolutely hate it um, I'm glad that it's been made yeah that, that's exactly how I feel I mean I, I was a designer for a long time and there was always one problem that I kept on running into and that was if you got a client who wasn't confident enough to make decisions themselves you ended up with a committee yeah. making decisions and guess what colour you come out with <laughs> if a committee's making the decision you get beige there's a surprise no more beige games please I, I think that's what has happened here he's he's decided not to make beige anymore and I, I, I actually really like that yeah. so that's my list for 2019 yeah I think we're uh done with mine as well let's move move on to what we've learned of the big releases for next year in terms of hardware which is that's your territory more than mine i think playstation 5 and xbox series x or xbox series x which (laughs) we (laughs) yeah or or xbox is it yeah is it just xbox it is the new console is meant to be called Xbox, and then you've got various <laughs> series. It, it's clear as mud. <laughs> so we started with the Xbox, but the Xbox 360, went to the Xbox one. one, Xbox One X, Xbox Series X, but the Xbox Series X isn't Xbox Series X, it's Xbox. Yes. Um, <laughs> Excellent. So we, we've had some in the build-up to what will be proper reveals starting around about february next year with the ps5 i would guess yep. we've had like um reveals via wired article for sony um and then an update to that as well and that's just been slightly odd but interesting in the way that they've not done big events but just a random tuesday a Wired article comes out and confirms a load of information about the PlayStation 5. And that's kind of a, a change to the way they're approaching things. But I think it's modernization of it, really, in the big three E3 shows and big reveals are um, not quite as important as they used to be. And one of them is horribly tedious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of them is. Um <laughs> So, in terms of what we know um, and what people are speculating, they're actually reasonably close in terms of what they're providing. Key parts being they're both using nice, big, beefy CPUs from AMD. Um, Very similar series. There'll be possibly some slight clock differences between the two, but that's going to be reasonably close. Um, they've both got similar GPUs. We don't quite know what yet, but we know that certain features are going to be in both. Both are going to have some sort of ray tracing hardware included, which will give us some new graphical niceties. Yeah, I mean, just to stick my own little bit of knowledge in here, I've got. I ended up getting a. a it's actually mostly for work, but it's a gaming laptop earlier on this year which has ray tracing a ray tracing card in it and you totally I've needed that ray tracing it. for work didn't you yeah i did i just absolutely my photos <laughs> would never look quite so realistic if i didn't have ray tracing in there <laughs> but it's it's it, the games i did play it 
it was it was interesting. I played the Quake Two ray tracing demo, and that I think it it's more obvious when you play games like that. The Minecraft ray tracing demonstrations have been really very impressive because it takes something that's but fugly <laughs> and, and turns it into something that's quite stunning yeah. just by dint of adding ray tracing. I think the Minecraft one in particular was one that, as a demonstration of ray tracing, is the one that made me go okay and and take some notice because otherwise we're we're kind of doing stuff that we've been trying to simulate for a long time anyway yeah and the simulations are re- reasonably effective as well yes. it's just that they're not real time so that's interesting i think more or less what we've got confirmed very recently from xbox is that we're looking probably at something like 12 teraflops Phil Spencer has gone on record as saying twice as powerful as an Xbox One X, which is six teraflops. On top of that, well, there's the question mark over whether he was talking about old teraflops or new teraflops. Because yeah, this is where it gets confusing. Yeah, I really. This is what I think it must be twelve new teraflops because the <laughs> the, the the later AMD hardware is more efficient. At getting performance out of that power so if you just had the older technology going at 12 teraflops then it wouldn't produce the same level of performance as the latest amd stuff going at 12 teraflops even though the sort of theoretical stuff is still that's how many how much processing you've got the way it can actually practically use it is much better in the more recent stuff so in actual performance terms, not just power terms, we're looking at more than double an Xbox One right. X. The Which in- is quite exciting. Yes. The indication from, while Sony haven't announced anything, indications are that there's not much difference between the two in terms of power. So that sets quite a nice sort of benchmark where you can actually then stay at, they're so close that, it's just about the games. You don't need to argue about the silly, tiny differences. Well, some people still will, obviously. But we've got a nice power set, and it's it's decently powerful enough to give us good 4K performance um, and add some extra sparklies and icing on top. The other thing that we know about these machines is they're both going for SSD as standard. Um, and this is quite big in that it will really impact the experience of the machines and playing games. They're both, loading times in particular. Yes, they're both kind of heading towards the loading screens will be a thing of the past. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. Um, and the sort of technology they've got in there, you could say that PCs have had this for a long time, but the big difference here is that it's mandated and you know that each of these machines and everybody who has one will have an SSD. So you can program around that. And that Yeah, so things will be beautifully optimized or should be. Should be beautifully optimized and it also adds in some additional possibilities rather than just making things fast. You can think about things in a different way. Um, you don't have sections of games that are um, you going through a tight, passage and round a corner to get to somewhere else whilst it spools in the next bit of uh, information that it needs 
and it allows just like a simple explanation is that Spider-Man, his speed was determined by how fast they could stream stuff. All right, interesting. Um, and things like, uh, I think it's sort of flying mounts or flying in Horizon Zero Dawn wasn't really possible because you couldn't go fast enough to stream the information. But having faster storage means you can start using that. And that the storage is so fast that you can use it for um, improving because you can stream more information. Effectively, that allows you to add a lot more detail to areas as yeah. well. Yeah, Mark, I remember seeing Mark suddenly talk about how in with a lot of games, say, for example, an open-world game, you might have copies of the same lamppost in in your uh, game file, say, like like 400 times. Yeah. But with this new tech, you just need the one. It's as quick to, to load up that one 400 times as it is to grab all of them, you know, in the previous type of game file. So... Yeah, it should make. I think his argument was that it might actually make file sizes smaller as well. Yes, I think that file size people are a little bit concerned in that games are getting huge these days. It's not uncommon to have games of well over a hundred gig, um, and if you then switch into SSD, you're limited really in a in a release machine to keep the price down to one terabyte. And people worried that that really wasn't enough if games are going to get bigger again. But actually, yeah. we'll see some contraction, or at least in some respects anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what if the two machines end up as uh, fairly near and close in a lot of respects with little differences here and there, then actually what you're looking at more is differences in ecosystem, in exclusives and in services, which is... Uh, makes it all nice and interesting it does because it means that they're going to have to try and work hard to differentiate themselves um which is good for us or it should be anyway yeah so so that's good also there's been a lot of talk particularly of the ps5 there's been a a a lot of speculation about the controller as well we know some things yeah about it that it's going to have some kind of force feedback in the triggers yeah um actual proper resistance programmable resistance which uh I'd be interesting to try. Um, so the the example that was given was the idea of pulling back a bow, an arrow in a in a bow. Um, if you ha- have that pad, then the trigger will resist the closer you get to full tension. Yeah, and then you let go, and it and it goes back to normal. So so there's some interesting things happening with the pad. Also, speculation that there might be an LED screen instead of the touch pad. And now. Uh, particularly because Sony just announced this interesting little doodad that you can add on to DualShock 4 to give you paddles on the back of your controller, which is fabulous as far as I'm concerned. I love that. I've I've got a, a Nacon Revolution with kind of pad buttony type things on the back, and given that I've got kind of pain issues, with, particularly with my right hand, the, it totally negates the need to click sticks in because I can... Basically, attach the stick click to one of the paddles instead. And also, what it means is that I can, it means I have to take my thumbs off the sticks less to get to well used buttons now, which actually helps. It makes a huge advantage, actually, in some games. It's interesting. I don't know what this means for the 
DualShock 5. I suspect what it means is that the DualShock 5 will take the doodad. I don't think it means that the DualShock 5 will have built-in back paddles. Yeah, I think it, it will either take the doodad or it will have built-in back paddles. And it kind of links up with some of the um, the transition between current generation and next generation. Um, Microsoft have already said that older controllers will work on the new box. And if Sony introduced the little back paddles for PS5, it makes a bit more sense that they introduce these little add-ons now. See, the thing is, it's just a year away. It's an odd, odd... Why would you come out with a piece of hardware like this, which has like an LED screen on it and things, yeah. if you're just aiming to sell it for a year? Yeah. So I, um, it, it, I don't know. It seems, I mean, obviously it would sell for longer than that because, you know, not everybody or close to everybody who's going, who has a PS4 will upgrade straight away. No. So it will have a long tail. But it just seems weird to me that they would sell this now and then introduce a DualShock that doesn't need it yeah. a year later. Uh, uh, it's either that or it's ensuring that you can transition your PS4 yeah. controller to PS5. I just think it's, it's an odd time to introduce some, a feature like this if there isn't something, some other connection going on. Either, as you say, it can connect to a PS5 controller and the core sort of design is that. Although I did see that some of the patents that they've had um, and the diagrams, it doesn't look like it. the connector that it uses is available on the patent pictures of the PS5 controller. Now, the PS, the patent pictures aren't... doesn't show a back paddle either, though, does it? No, but I don't know whether it showed the back. Right. I know that I, I have seen some patent pictures of the new, new controller, and I'm, from memory, I didn't see any back paddles on it. But you're right, maybe I only saw the front and didn't really twig. It's, it's an interesting one. I'm glad that these paddles are becoming or about or are about to become more mainstream yeah. because they are they make much more of a difference than you'd imagine they're really good it's nice to have something like that available without having to spend quite a lot on a uh, on a inexpensive controller like an elite that i can't really justify but little paddles yeah i'll have some of those <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I can justify it just from a pain perspective. I, I'm definitely going to get myself an Elite at some point soon. But it's, yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're great. I, I really like it. But, you know, seeing as we're talking about weird Sony happenings, shall we discuss the whole Sean Layden thing? Yeah. Which is perhaps the weirdest thing to happen in gaming this year. It was the way it happened. Um, yeah. One tweet. Yeah. Which basically said, bye, Sean. It was odd. And it, it, <laughs> there were rumours of power struggles going on within Sony prior to that. With Jim Ryan, right? Yes. Yeah. And it seems that since that point, several key decisions seem to have been made that you could imply were being um, held back or uh, stopped. By Sean Layden prior to that. Yeah, I mean, I I kept on banging on in 
what we shall now call season one. Um, I kept on banging on about Sony being the pantomime villain, and I didn't really understand why. Did all sorts of weird things like cancelling, uh, closing down the Gravity Rush ser- two servers after one year, completely being incredibly stubborn about crossplay, uh, just all sorts of weird decisions which seemed really counterproductive. And it seemed like the minute that Sean Layden went, the obstacles just seemed to disappear. Yep. We have crossplay everywhere now. We have. It's mad. What I thought we would never see Minecraft Bedrock. Come yeah. to PS4. In fact, possibly we have, already here. We have Call of Duty crossplay. I didn't realise that until a couple of days ago. Ah. Uh, which is nuts, isn't it? Yep. It's 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 absolutely insane. And you know, we've been talking about crossplay in 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 other things as well. So we've got you know, Dauntless is brilliantly crossplay, but it's it's starting to become. You know, something that we're just starting to expect from multiplayer games now. And that just didn't seem at the beginning of this year. It just seemed like that was years away. There was no way that was going to happen. They were kind of allowing some, but being very controlling of yeah, what, when and how. Yeah. And, and the weird thing was that whenever people interviewed Sean Layden about it, it seemed like he was not the holdout. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's hard to argue that he wasn't now. It, it's just a really weird, weird thing, and I still am puzzled by it. We now have a a more together world. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do, and crossplay is really nice, and I and I'm really enjoying it. I think one of the things that I mean, like, I who'd have thought we'd have seen COD crossplay? Yeah. I I just don't understand that. There's talk of. Final Fantasy fourteen, yes, that's, being crossplay. That's well. I think that was. I think that was always the reason why it never came to Xbox three hundred and sixty. it was one of those ones where Microsoft didn't want crossplay, and so they they didn't bring it to Xbox three hundred and sixty because they wouldn't have crossplay that way, and they wanted it. A, fully joined up world with PC, PS3, then eventually it's come to PS4. Um, but it is confirmed it's going to happen at some point, but not not quite as uh, far forward as some of the other. Well, I've, I've, I've also seen um, some, some people talking about the idea of the Switch getting in on the act as well. Which in one? Final Fantasy, in what Final, Final Fantasy fourteen, yeah. Ooh. Which is, you know, this is the thing: is it's the idea of taking your ecosystem with you is the really important thing. So being able to log in, so it, I find it very nice. One of the reasons why I don't play Warframe anymore is that your account is locked to your platform. Yeah, uh, you can't make any progress on another platform if you happen to be near it. So I, you know, I have I have an account on. PS4, but I can't then leave my PS4 if I if I wanted to make progress, I couldn't do it on a Switch while I was on holiday, for example. Yeah. Whereas I can do that on Dauntless, I can do that on you know other games, and it's this idea of being able to take your, importantly your friends as well, 
And I think this is something that we're in danger of running into is this idea of developers delivering, technically delivering crossplay, but not delivering what we expect from it. So for example, trials leaderboards were crossplay, yeah. but could you find your friends on them? No. <laughs> no. And it, it's it's that kind of stuff to be fair, that I, needs to I be have trouble finding a particular track on trials with the awful interface yeah, that they have. <laughs> it is a bad interface, it has to be said. But the, it was one of their marketing points was this kind of cross platform leaderboards. And I thought, brilliant, we'll be able to get everybody in on it. You know, it's like let's get SRR, get let's get everybody together in a game for once because we're all on different platforms. Yeah. And then it turned out you couldn't even search for a player name. And it and that really annoyed me because I don't want to know that the guy above me is uh, some random guy on the Xbox. I want to know where SRR is. Yeah, you know, and it's it's that stuff that I worry we're we're going to have problems with over the next wee while. I think they'll eventually sort it out. We have expectations of what's there, and we think it's pretty basic. And actually, I think some of these things are quite difficult to implement. Right. So that's the joy of crossplay. I, I just wanted to quickly give some heads up. I think there's quite a lot of sales on at the moment. So Nintendo have a massive sale. Not There's a lot of people... I saw this article on Nintendo Life about those, like 700 games from various developers on sale, and there's some really quite good deals on there. And the comments were all just like, oh, Nintendo does never gives its own titles away at the you know at half price. Two weeks after Cyber Monday, when they... When they'd had a 50% off sale, people just forget very quickly. <laughs> this this one rule for every other every other platform holder, but Nintendo has to have these higher standards. and oh, It's just really weird. Um, but yeah, so they've got a good sale on. I've grabbed a couple of games off of that, and I can't remember what they are. Sony has a good one on at the moment, January sale, yeah, weirdly. They, they finished their pre-Christmas sale, and a couple of days later <laughs> started their January sale. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had a look through it, and there's there's a few things I'd quite like. A Grid, Codemasters' latest version of Grid, is on there, and that's the heads up I wanted to give. Really, was, and um, that's the basic version, which is normally fifty quid, is on there for twenty four ninety nine. But their super deluxe, gourmet made of gold edition, <laughs> is normally seventy five quid, and that's down to twenty nine ninety nine. And if you were holding out because of DLC reasons or, you know, whatever, then it is probably worth grabbing it now, I would say, because I don't think it's going to be that price again for a while. And But there's quite a lot of stuff in there. It's quite overwhelming. I don't know, is there something similar on Xbox just now? Yes, they got their usual Christmassy type sale on as well at the moment. So there's lots of bargains to be had. Yeah, which is kind of leading us on. I'm just going to move it up our list, actually, because it's a nice segue to our pile of shame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and what I have written down here is the game. It's basically about the games that we never got round to this year that we really want to. I've got a couple. It, what I have titled here is pile of shame games that gnaw at our soul with the power of guilt. <laughs> and for me, there's, uh, I mean, there's tons. There's there's absolute tons. But there are a couple that really gnaw away at me. And one is Gears 5, yeah. which uh, 
it's Game Pass's fault. It's because game my whole Game Pass psychology thing. It's on there, and and I haven't played it, and I know I should because I know that it's it's actually really good. I got kind of put off by Gears Four. I didn't really enjoy it very much, but I really want to play that one, and I might try and do that. I was going to actually suggest to you, Mister Densley, yes, that we ditch our playthrough of a game that we've already finished. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that being Dying Light, yeah. um, which we started because I got excited about Dying Light 2, uh, and, and maybe try and play through a game that we haven't played. Crazy. Craziness. <laughs> I'll never catch on. <laughs> so I was going to suggest hopping over to Xbox and, and maybe doing Gears 5 yeah, um, sounds good. to assuage my guilt. I mean, that's the, that's the main one for me, although both the Outer Wilds and the Outer Worlds also both being play uh, Game Pass games are also ones that are very high on my list. They're just I'm they look amazing and I've just not got around to it and I really want to. Yeah. I on my list I've got I've got the Outer Worlds, which I've got a reasonable way through. Um, but do need to give it more time. Um Forza Horizon four, which again, since getting an Xbox One X and Game Pass, I've got made the start on but again, need to dedicate some more time. But I've got quite a few big ones on PS4. Um, Jedi Fallen Order. That's very good. Death Stranding. Yep. <laughs> Greedful. Control. I've even got a couple from last year that still haven't bubbled their way up the way they should have yeah. done. Um, I wasn't as sold on Control. I, I absolutely loved the world building they did, and I loved the kind of the normal combat, but I hated the boss fights. Yeah. Couldn't stand them. I have since seen some articles that suggest that the boss fights were optional, which I didn't realize. So I might actually go in and just finish it without doing the boss fight. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I did love the world building and the character building that was that was in there. And it's, it's a very interesting game. But these, in quotes, optional boss fights can do one. They were... <laughs> They were horrendous. Uh, the, the, the Fallen Order. I enjoyed it, and I st- I think it's a very good game, but it launched in a slightly shaky state. Yeah. There were things like I'd start at the equivalent of a bonfire, and the enemies hadn't loaded in yet, and I'd be running around, and it would be like a minute, two minutes later before it loaded in. Uh, there were just little shonky things like that, and there were weird things where, like, for example, one character, I don't want to spoil it, but there's one character turns around to your protagonist and says, uh, thanks to you, I feel like I'm one of the family. You've done so much for us. Uh, I think I'd maybe been playing for five hours. <laughs> and it just didn't, I didn't feel attached to him at all. <laughs> and it was just really out of the blue and it was jarring. And there's, there's things like that in the writing, which are, they, they didn't do any of the groundwork to make that work. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's... That sounds a little bit like a Star Wars tradition in some of the old. <laughs> yeah, some it of does the a films. little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly I'm killing lots of innocent people. I don't know that step. So, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed uh, The Fallen Order, and I uh, part of me wonders if the really high praise that it's had is a bit like when you praise a toddler because you really don't want it to shit itself anymore 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well done, EA. You made a game that doesn't have microtransactions in it. Well done. Yes. Good boy. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, fine. I'll praise it as well. Uh, it's, But it is a good game. It's worth playing. Cool. So with our pile of shame still gnawing at our soul. What are we going to add to it? <laughs> what are we going to add to it over the next year? What are we looking forward to in 2020? Right, I'm just going to reel off a big list. Um, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, mm -hmm. Very much looking forward to that. I think it's got a lovely feel to it. Um, the Last of Us 2 as well. Again, that's quite a big final year for PS4. In fact, I think 2020 in general is just going to be a bit of a monster year because we've yeah. got the uh, the new consoles coming as well. Ori sequel. So, yeah, I, I was never into Ori, but I, I appreciate it. I, I, I mean, it certainly looks lovely. Yeah, I love the first one. Um, may go for another playthrough at some point, you know, that fictional time that I've got. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one that has been delayed. It was meant to be early-ish 2020, but has been delayed to it. We're not quite sure when. Is Gods and Monsters from Ubisoft, which is one of the... I think they've just done something quite interesting with a lot of the research and things they've done on the Assassin's Creed games and made a, a slightly more cartoony but um, mystical game around those those sort of Do you just, areas. But don't you think they're going to Ubisoft it? They might do, but they've, de <laughs> they've delayed it. I can hope. I like the idea of it. I mean, they need it to work because this year has been a very bad year for them. Yes. They really need this now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love, I'm a sucker for that, that kind of world, the whole kind of mythical gods and monsters. And so I'm there, but I'm, there's part of me that just looks at a game, sees Ubisoft, and I can already see whatever version of Tower <laughs> they're putting on the map, you know? So. Um, Am I going to have to skin Cerberus yes. to make to <laughs> make upgrade. a bullet? Yeah. <laughs> upgrade so you can carry two extra arrows in your quiver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII should start mm -hmm. coming out. I'm not sure how much if it's going it's going to cover. Um, uh, it's a it's a small chunk uh, yeah. uh, of the of the full story, but it's supposed to be. That this small chunk of the remake is supposed to be pretty much the same size as the original game. Yes. Um, it's just heavily expanding on the story in that small area. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm interested to just avoid too much of the, uh, the press around it and the information and just sort of go into it as they've remade something and they've reimagined it quite a bit. So don't expect just a high resolution version of what I've played before, but expect something different. Dying Light 2, we already mentioned yes. that we've been playing a little bit of Dying Light recently. Um, that's got a lovely traversal system and really quite well-told story for um, a game that, I don't know, would you call it AAA? Or would you say it's... No, it was very much a sleeper hit at yeah. the time. But it's got great tech um, and great story to it. And amazing combat. And amazing and combat, traversal. yes. Yeah. Um, Minecraft Dungeons is one that I'm quite looking forward to, a sort of Minecraft meets Diablo 
kind of thing. Yeah, you know? I'm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think you're going to have more fun with it, me, because your kids are younger. Yeah, mine is a cynical fourteen year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I for somebody who doesn't actually like Minecraft that much, I'm actually quite looking forward to that one. Yep, uh, a couple of big ones from Microsoft Halo Infinite, which should be coming around about the launch of the Xbox Series X. Do we know anything about it yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from what the infinite implies. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft Flight Simulator. I'm not sure whether I'll actually make it to Xbox I next year. So, I am so making a video where I fly over my house and I go, <laughs> I can see my house from here. <laughs> it's got some really interesting tech behind it. I wouldn't be surprised if it never made it to Xbox One. I think it may end up just being next box. Yeah, it looks amazing. I think, yeah. Uh, I think it would struggle on the original Xbox by the looks of it. Yeah. You know, Xbox One, it's so confusing. You know what I mean? The original Xbox One. Yes. Um, And the other one on my list is Elden Ring, which... Oh my god, yes. Yes, I'm so due another from Game of Thrones. Also, George R.R. R. Martin, I'd never got on with Game of Thrones. We just did it. We called it, I rolled my eyes and we called it Game of Boobs and moved on. Okay. I, uh, it's just like Elden Boobs. I don't really, I don't want to play Elden Boobs. It depends on what he brings to it. If it, if it, yeah. he could well leave the boobs behind and it'd be more <laughs> the. <laughs> more the intrigue and the the sort of politics or the, the sort of interwoven stories and things so it, it'd be interesting because that's not the way stories are done in from games are a little bit more obtuse than the more direct approach that a lot of games take i think if he's if he's there with in in a world setting role i think that's fine I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Because I kind of like the world he built. I just didn't like the stories he told in it. Right. So, uh, what else are you looking forward to in 2020? Right. I am, um, a lot of the stuff that you are, I am, um, I'm very intrigued by cyberpunk. I have a little bit of a love hate relationship with CD Projekt. I, I don't understand why they don't get the same. F- well, I do to a certain extent understand why. But they deserve some flack for the shonky way that they release their games. Yeah. And they don't seem to get it. You know, Beth- Bethesda always gets flack for it, deservedly so. And CD Projekt seems to get away with it. And I don't really know why. Because I remember having to download a Witcher 3 patch, which was bigger than the original game. <laughs> I'm intrigued by it. And, I, you know, it, it looks like it could be my ideal game. But. I'm also hesitant and slightly just slightly anxious that it's not going to be everything it's been built up to be. Yeah. I am actually really interested in Marvel's Avengers, although their reaction has been less than positive, and I think that's a lot to do with the character design, which is quite weak. Yes, if they're not the actors who play the characters in the films, then it just it ends up feeling a little bit like a um made for tv movie yeah <laughs> effectively i know yeah i i know what you mean it's i mean they've always 
so in the comics, the way they look changes with every different artist. Yeah. But I think, I mean, the one character they seem to have got right is Miss um, Marvel, who wasn't, when I saw footage of her playing, it wasn't jarring at all. But the other ones, it just seems, they seem really bland and they look like they're wearing wigs. <laughs> and it's really weird. Um, and I think that's what's, I think the visceral reaction is to that. Yeah. Um, but I actually think that, especially the co-op gameplay, sounds really promising. So I'm, I'm quietly excited about it. Doom Eternal, I cannot wait for. I think, I think I loved the previous Doom, and I, I just cannot wait to get get back into that world. I absolutely adored it. Ghost of Tsushima, you've you've mentioned. I'm actually quite excited about. Have you seen any of the stuff about Predator? Yes. So they did the four v one. Yeah, they did some more um, proper gameplay recently, didn't they? In a state yeah. of play. And I think it looks great. Mm. I think if there's... I mean, I remember when we all used to play Halo back in the day, we used to have this mode called... We called it Ninja Knot. It was where one person was invisible and everyone else was trying to figure it out, uh, figure out where they were, and then whenever the invisible person... If you killed the invisible person, you then became the invisible person. That's what it was. Uh, okay. And it was the best mode in Halo at the time, I thought. And this looks perfect. It looks exactly like it. And actually, in terms of the one, the whole 1v4 kind of online genre, I don't think there's a better IP. No. It's, it's, it's just so, perfect. So, so I, and it's, it's published by Sony themselves, isn't it? So it's, it, I don't think it's going to be crap. No. So look forward to that. And a little game that I saw, I think it was at Gamescom, called 12 Minutes, which is a time-looping kind of story game where you be, I think it looks like it's just set, it's top-down and it seems to be set inside your living room and it looks like there's a murder or you've discovered that your wife has murdered her father or something like that and you've got 12 minutes to move the story on before you loop back again. Okay. And it looks really intriguing, and it looks like a really well-told and well-acted story, and I'm, I'm really interested in that. And finally, Half-Life Alex, which just looks like it could be finally the VR killer app. I'm, I, I had a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Half-Life 2. It took me a few goes to actually get through to the end. I just felt the, <laughs> the pacing was off. There's things like, right at the beginning, you'd be running away from the authorities and you know it was fast-paced rush through people's flats and you get into somebody's flat and they say quick up this ladder and then there's a massive loading screen which takes like i don't know four minutes and it just kind of irritated me a little bit but this just looks really really amazing so i'm i'm looking forward to that i'm really surprised actually that they didn't make it an index exclusive yeah so so that was interesting so i've got a rift s I'll be able to play that, and I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, that's my... I mean, there's so many more yeah. that, that are coming out next year, but th those are my kind of main games that I'm really excited about. There'll be lots for the new consoles that we don't even know about yet. Yeah, I mean, the Godfall seems reasonably interesting, although could easily also just be one of those games that you get at every launch, which looks great, but isn't particularly innovative. Yeah. Um, it suffered a little bit in being compared to Hellblade 2 and the, the trailer that went out for that, but yes, um, it's two different approaches and, and the actual gameplay footage, if you see the little, there's a little 
GIF going around of gameplay footage looks really nice for Godfall. Hell, Hellblade 2 also looked stunning, but that was a very controlled piece of cutscene-type narrative that doesn't really show you what the the gameplay or how you, how things will look when you actually play is. Yeah, yeah. It's a difference between an, an engine cutscene and, you know, actually wandering around in the game. Yeah. Yeah, that that looks really interesting. Looking a little bit closer to home, I was uh, just having a look and seeing. Thankfully, it's quite quiet. Yeah. Um, but January games, I thought we might as well just reel off what's interesting in there. Um, well, I could reel off everything that's in there. It wouldn't take me very long. We've got AO Tennis 2, which may or may not be good. I like the odd tennis game, so I'll keep an eye on that one. The Monster Hunter World Iceborne DLC for PC, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Hey, that's coming out in Japan, though, so that's not for us, really. Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot. I've never really been into Dragon Ball no. Z. Moons of Madness, which has already it's been out on PC, and I think it's been quite well received. That's an interesting one. That's a Lovecraftian space horror okay. type thing. And that looks really quite interesting. Whether I'm ever going to be man enough to actually take it on. I don't know. I'm really bad for those kind of things. Always get a serious case of the nopes. <laughs> the DualShock 4 back button attachment, that's out towards the end of the month. Crystal Chronicles, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is coming out PS4 and Switch at the end of the month. Um, some Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC, same time. Rugby 20. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Journey to the Savage Planet is the one I'm really looking forward to. That's out January the 28th. I think that's going to be really interesting. It's also co-op as well, which I didn't realize until today. That's That could be an interesting one. Um, certainly, we'll get to see whether it was worth Google buying them up. Yeah. At that point. Although, it's a reasonable developer. It's uh, I think they're ex-Ubisoft, aren't they? They're ex- Yes, uh, I've actually seen. It's one of the shooters. I've seen some previews of that and thought it looked nice and interesting. Pillars of Eternity, two Deadfire. I think it's a special edition of the game. Sisters Royale, no idea what that is. Through the darkest darkest of times, no idea what that is. Oh, the EU release of Journey to the Savage Planet is January the thirty first, so the very end. Okay. And that's it. But I think the the only one that I'm really interested in is Journey to the Savage Planet. Which gives me some time to catch up on Pile of Shame. Yes. yes. Yeah, Pile of Shame catch up. I think to finish off with, um, I think we've kind of touched on it, but kind of briefly, what are you playing right now? Um, so PS4-wise, I have just started Jedi Fallen Order. So to mm -hmm. progress that, and I will also kick off Death Stranding over the holidays as well. Um, Xbox-wise, I'm a about to jump into the Talos Principle as my next adventures in Game Pass because I like a good puzzle game and had it recommended by a few friends and then probably Subnautica as well on the the Game Pass side as well. Yeah, that's that's one that I keep on looking at and never quite getting into. It's another one that gets recommended by people who who play, so it's a good right. bit of mouth game. Yeah. For me, I'm well. I mentioned already my my regular bubblegum game is Dauntless. I'm playing a lot of WRC8 as well, which is just not getting old. But I've also been playing Pokemon Shield, 
because um, my daughter got Pokemon Sword, so I want to play a little bit with her. With her, um, and I'm actually quite enjoying it. I didn't enjoy Pokemon Let's Go that came out last winter. Yeah, it was really simplistic. I mean, it, Pokemon is reasonably simplistic anyway, but kind of my first JRPG really. But it's it's fun, and I you know I like the world and I like the designs, and it's a nice shiny happy game to. And it's a good game to play in the darkest days of winter. And I just got grid in the sales, so I'll be playing that. And that's my lot for the moment. And I guess we are, as of next week, currently playing Gears 5. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Right. Excellent. And that is outrageous, because it's taken us over an hour and a quarter, three quarters, to get through all of that. But hopefully next month... There won't be any catching up to do, covering a year's worth of events and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think we should be back down to an hour for our episodes at that point. Yeah. So that's it. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. This podcast was produced by Dan Densley and edited by Christy McPherson. And it was presented by both of those idiots and our excellent new theme tune is La Calahora by Roll Music. It was made available via Creative Commons license on freemusicarchive.org forward slash music forward slash Roll Music.